1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: This month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes. With a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty, spiked, sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, and 90 calories and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
2: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Viking Star. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Football. Nah, I, 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 wore, these in here, I wore these in here today. Um, I don't. I don't want to show you how tired I am after after the game.
1: Well, Dalvin is a terrific player. Um, you know he's. He's a great runner. Uh, the, screen, the screen run, I think, was an outstanding play by him. Uh, we did get some guys downfield and, and block for him. But, you know, part of it, too, is, uh, you know, I thought we had a good scheme against him, and I thought our offensive line did an outstanding job. So um, Dalvin's great. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm glad he's on our team, you know. Um, uh, but the offensive line and the receivers and the tight ends did a nice job blocking for him mm-hmm. as well.
2: And welcome in to Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Declan Goff. All right, good news. Judd and I tested negative for COVID, so we're back in the studio here. Declan is feeling better. He's quarantining still for a couple more days. And Uh uh, if you missed Vikings Vent Line yesterday, uh, it was great. It included a Judd Zolgad rant. And you can find that also floating around the highlight of it on Score North Twitter and Facebook But um, I think we should start with a couple things here before we get to Viking statements on this Monday. The first thing is the disclaimer that we're going to put on the majority of these shows. (laughs) Everything talked about on Purple Daily is under the umbrella mission statement of we would like the Vikings to win a Super Bowl at some point. So whenever you hear us talking about wanting the Vikings to lose or tank for Trevor, that is not us being negative for the sake of being negative. It is us aiming for short-term loss for long-term gain, and uh, I think we should just put that disclaimer on the beginning of every show because we get a lot of questions. Why? Why? Judd Zolgan always wants the Vikings to lose and tank and trade things. Why is he so negative? Well, go check out his Lombardi commentary trophy. from yesterday. That's all I want. Yep. So, boys, we'll get into our Vikings statements off of their second victory of the season. This one over the Green Bay Packers, but... It's always a good day when the Green Bay Packers fans go apoplectic and lose their minds yes. and complain about their team. Uh, courtesy of our friends on the Fan in Milwaukee, the Green and Gold Post Game show, this is Packer Ventline. Go Pack! Go! What is it going to take to get out of this defensive purgatory that we can never get right for some reason? Are there any grown-ass men in this front office that are going to take this team to the next? step and get us into that prime defensive territory. If we keep throwing draft picks on, go, Pat, go. That's what I thought yesterday watching that game. They need some grown ass men in that front office. To what stop qualifies Cook. that? What
1: what makes you a grown ass <laughs> GM as opposed to a non grown ass man? GM? Is
2: Gutikuns not a grown ass man? Is that the problem? That's what I'm asking. I don't know. How tall is he? It, it's a Wisconsin thing. We don't know. <laughs>
1: I, I don't We're not privy to the plan for what a grown-ass man, how that qualifies.
2: I would think you have to be at least six feet tall and probably have a beard and weigh at le- either a beard or tattoos, okay. and weigh at least like 215 pounds with some
0: muscle. I'm right. never going to be a grown-ass man. Though.
1: No, you've got no chance. <laughs> you've got no chance of being a grown-ass Zero man, shot. Jacqueline.
0: I'm sorry. Zero shot.
1: I hear a lot of people talking about making some trades for the Packers or picking up some veteran talent. Uh, Gary mentioned the Chiefs, and they just went out and got uh, Le'Veon Bell. But wouldn't that go against what the Packers have done for the last 10 years? We never pick anybody up and <laughs> make trades. But we, we want to just keep our draft picks because we got ten of them next year, and we can get ready for the Jordan Love era because that's what we do in Green Bay. Isn't that what, what we're all about here?
0: He's been a little facetious, right, Bill? Yes, he oh, is. Here
1: he is. <laughs> go
2: Pat, Go! Love it.
1: Go Pat, Go! D- d- does the Packers' defense know how to tackle? <laughs> I mean, I, I just... No. I, I just don't want to hear no more. Every time we lose a game, like you hear Rodgers and hear LaForest say, Oh, we... It was a bad week of practice. I don't buy it. I think it's an excuse. now they're saying, oh, we do these tackling drills and, and practice. I'm about to say, are you guys doing them right? I mean, where the hell was it today? I mean, I know Dalvin Cook is a great running back. Don't get me wrong. But come on. You can't figure out any time they try to stop him at least instead of going about 80 yards every time.
2: I love Packer losses so, so much. Oh my
1: god. They're so much fun. Oh my
2: god! Uh, we have a few more. We'll we'll sprinkle them in throughout the show here. But gentlemen, let's let's fire it up. Let's get to Viking statements off of their second victory of the season. Judd Zolgat, All right, start us off. Let's go. All right,
1: on. as a grown ass man, I'm going to give you a grown ass <laughs> statement. Okay. I now know great confusion last week. I now know what Kirk Cousins meant. Last week, when he talked about we need to hit more singles, we're, we're hitting some home runs and triples, but we need to hit, I need to hit more singles. And I told you guys, or I asked you guys, what the hell is he talking about? I don't understand that. The genius of the Minnesota Vikings and Gary Kubiak and Zimmer and the boys was to convince Cousins that by having him hit in the nine hole and square around to bunt the entire game, that that qualified doing his job at $96 million of hitting singles. This is what he meant. My statement is, I now understand, Kirk, you were rope-a-doped, you were bamboozled, you were fooled into believing that by bunting for the entire game, you were doing something that meant a damn thing. You threw 14 times. Dalvin was magnificent, but the question has now been answered. Kirk Cousins was basically pulled into a room, posed by week and told, we are, they because they thought this through, right? Because if you call Kirk in and are like, you're going to throw 14 times and we don't think that you, you can play, he's going to start crying. So let's tell him, you're a singles hitter now. You're you're a teddy ball game. on-base percentage. You're, yeah, just... you're spraying the ball all around. You're beating the shift, Kirky Kirk. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is great. I'm a singles hitter now they bamboozled him.
2: Congratulations Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it was here's the thing, like they've they've actually followed this formula a number of times in the Mike Zimmer era for different stretches, right? Where they lean on the run because they've had they've had much better running games consistently over the especially since Dalvin Cook was drafted. I think you could make a case that like when Matt Asiata was the starting running back for a year that uh that it was more like, all right, Sam Bradford going to need you to throw for 300 yards every week. But this is the formula that works the best for the Vikings, which is get Dalvin Cook going, offensive line gets pushed off the line of scrimmage, and then you either don't throw the ball because you don't need to or you leverage play action and you give Kirk sort of some safety nets when he's throwing. And yesterday, they were so good at part one in dimension one, they didn't even have to go into part two, which is leverage play action. He only threw the ball 14 times in that game. And what was Kirk's per attempt average? Do you have that? I think it was like nine or ten yards per attempt. Okay, yeah. just very, oh, yeah. just
1: very nice and
2: not too much. Really good. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, so you think? So, just to clarify, because we we had this argument a little bit on Mackie and Jet today. So, you think there was a meeting at some point early in the week last week or during the bye in which Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak got together, and it was explicitly stated don't let this guy shipwreck us against the packers.
1: Yes, and I think I think that we all thought, why didn't you bench him at, at halftime of the Falcons game? And Zim at the time deflected that, but I think privately w- what he said is I'm not going to bench him, I'm going to neuter him as a quarterback. So he's basically benched. At some point as a game,
2: he he is now he is now literally the old school definition of game manager. He was for a week. But they're not going to keep doing this every week. Like At some mm-hmm. point, an opponent, the Lions or whoever, probably the Bears, are going to step up and say, Dalvin Cook's not winning this game. Right? Teams would do that to Adrian Peterson. It's and like, you know what's all right, gonna happen? enough of
1: this. The Vikings are going to lose, but they are going to go down without Kirk being the problem. I think Mike has decided Kirk is a major problem.
2: Hold on, so you think against the Bears in two weeks. Let's say the Bears in two gonna weeks. They're going to try the same the, the formula. Ba- the Bears say Dalvin Cook is not beating us today. Yes. We are putting everyone in the box. Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball more than 14 times in a game like that.
1: He's not but he's not going to be from the coaching staff standpoint allowed to beat the Vikings, which is how they perceive Kirk now. I will tell you this, Phil, you've seen this. You've seen this film before. Adrian Peterson. How many how many times did AP with his old school pre farv of quarterbacks that basically the Vikings said we're still going to run, run, run. And if somebody said we are going to stop 28, that is our goal. The Vikings lost that game and we're a bit lost because there's not going to be a unleash cousins component now.
2: Yeah, it is. You brought up the Gus Farrat comparison on Ventline yesterday. I mean, it does feel a lot like some of those Brad Childress, those pre-Brett Favre Brad Childress teams. Yes. where It was like, this is our formula to beat you. And if you somehow, like, get around that formula, then we're kind of (laughs) screwed. Yes. No, that's exactly it. Uh, All right, Declan, you're next. Statements game. Yes.
0: My first statement is that Dalvin Cook is the single most important piece in this Vikings offense. It's not the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. It's not the dynamic rookie wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. It's not the great veteran, uh, apparent Minnesota native, Adam Thielen. It is Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is the single most important piece to the Minnesota Vikings having success in 2020 and beyond. And I know it's a very controversial take to give a running back that much money. But Dalvin Cook, when he's out of the lineup, we saw that in Atlanta. Atlanta looked like gods amongst men when the Vikings uh, had, had to play the Falcons. So Dalvin Cook, what, 230, 40 total yards of offense yesterday at, in Lambeau Field receiving and rushing? He's the most important piece. And if he's out, I, I have I have serious questions on how the Vikings offense can function
2: yeah he uh i mean he's had a number of amazing games in his career and that one yesterday is right up there like that's one of his two or three great games as a viking and i think the biggest questions are going to be if if he's going to have to touch the ball 30 plus times which is that number that judd threw out a few weeks ago uh to put into context he touched the ball i think 33 or 34 times in that game 32 times 226 yards four touchdowns okay Christian McCaffrey in one of the highest usage running back seasons in NFL history last year for Carolina Touched the ball an average of 24 or 25 times per game Mm -hmm. And Dalvin Cook in that formula yesterday was obviously, you know Six or seven touches beyond what Christian McCaffrey was on average last season That just shows you like if this is the formula and if you think that this is the thing that's going to get your season back on track Boy, like this is this is also a recipe to maybe burn him out for well, he's get hurt beyond again. 2020. But. He's
1: going to get hurt again. There's no question. Now, I agree with what Deck said, but here's the problem. And this goes back to the top of the show and the Mackey and Judd Purple Daily disclaimer of we want this team to win a Super Bowl, okay? What Declan just said is true, and it is in no way, shape, or form in 2020, the formula to win a Super Bowl. Like, they're brewing up a stew that can taste really good once, but you can't keep it going. It's, it's impossible. The formula to win a Super Bowl does not resemble what the Vikings want to do. And this is the problem, because the fundamental philosophy of this portion of the formula comes from the head coach. Why, and it's. I mean, I, I'm sorry, it's just not.
2: And it's tough because like it, it is kind of a fun formula when it works, and sure. when, it, when it worked with Adrian Peterson, you know, up until like 2013, it was kind of fun. It's like, oh, this—you just have this ridiculous specimen that takes the ball and runs wherever he wants to, and the, you know, those guys are so different stylistically, but but they both get to wherever they want to on the field. Yep. Um, I'm not going to go quite as far and say because I I think there is room to pay a running back what you're paying Dalvin Cook and still have more of a Super Bowl ready formula. I just think the rest of your roster construction has to be different and your quarterback oh, yeah. can't no, also be making $33 point. million. Dollars. That's my
1: point. You yeah. you you are you can't be paying a quarterback 96 mil and be afraid of him.
2: Yeah. You just yeah. can't. Yeah. So, all right. Um, statement number three here, gentlemen. I think the path that the Vikings are on shifted with that win over Green Bay. Potentially. I'll put the potentially disclaimer on this, okay? So going into that Green Bay game, and even like as the Vikings had the lead in the second half, I think a lot of us who are on the lose-as-many-games-as-possible short-term-loss-for-long-term-gain bandwagon, we're kind of rooting for a Packers comeback. Like Show us some great things, Vikings, and then ultimately lose the game in the end so that you can preserve your draft stock, which I'll get to more on that later in in the statement segment here. But I think now that you've won that game, and now that you're 2-5, and and you look at the upcoming schedule, you can make a legitimate case for the Vikings fighting to get back to 500 here okay and it sounds crazy because they, they had one win going into the month of November but now that they're two and five they've got Detroit at home coming up next week I think they're favored by three points in the early line I think I saw yesterday so they're favored in that game all right that
1: guy Patricia yep
2: so let's let's give them a, a third win there let's get him to three and five okay they have a game against the Bears the week after, which I'll just chalk up as a loss. It's not a guaranteed loss, because Chicago has offensive problems. And, Monday night in Soldier Field, though, but right? It's a tu- yeah. it's, let's just chalk it up as a loss, okay? Okay. But then you come back, and you get games against the Dallas Cowboys, which puts you then, let's say, so you go, uh, you win two out of three, which gets you to four wins, so you're four and six after that Cowboys win, potentially. And then you get two more home games against Carolina, you're going to be favored, most likely. And home against Jacksonville, you're going to be favored most likely Mm -hmm. in those games. Could you get back to six and six after those three consecutive home games with some tough ones on the horizon in an NFC that's going to have a seventh playoff team? I'm just saying, like, it is not unreasonable now that you've won that game against the Packers to fight back toward 500 as you get into like the month of December. So buckle up, boys. I'm just throwing that scenario out. I don't love it because I want the Vikings to draft, like, third overall. Here's my question. But it's a scenario that we should keep an eye on.
1: Here, Here's my question. Um, with the cornerback situation decimated now, though, there's going to be some teams that exploit that, right? Indoors, no wind. Um, I just think it's going to be tough. I mean, you're down so many guys now. You're down so many guys, which leads me to my next statement, if I may. Go ahead. Fire away. I don't think anything that happened on Sunday should change how you approach things leading up to the NFL trade deadline at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, the odds of trading Harrison Smith or a player like that were probably slim or are slim because the return has to be great. And it should be. If you get a first-round pick, I'm doing it. If, I'm, if I get a fourth- and fifth-round pick or a third- and fifth-round pick, probably not, okay? But I'll give you three names. Ant Harris, if I can get a third-round pick or... Or more, because the compensatory pick, if he walks away as a free agent in March, is a third-round pick. Rudolph, for sure, who basically is down to doing nothing. I'll take a fifth or sixth-round pick for him. Riley Reef. And the second addendum to my statement is Ezra Cleveland is ready to go to left tackle and play there.
2: He, he was, was great at right guard yesterday. I
1: get that, but I mean, I want him. If you have found your left tackle, let's go there, boys, and let's start there. But those three players to me, nothing that the Vikings did on Sunday should impact if those three are shopped and or traded by three o'clock on Tuesday.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um I agree with you on that one. And I, I do think it's good news that so Ezra Cleveland yesterday had his highest graded game of the uh what, the two or three games. He's played two games or three games, two whatever games. it's been. Two games. And uh and Riley Reef was the top graded offensive player for the Vikings and so it's possible that you could sell high now on Riley Reef. He's having a good season. He's not going to be part of your picture next year. Baltimore, maybe? Baltimore just lost a left tackle. So it makes a lot of sense. And it also might prevent you from winning games because now you'll have to put, like, you put as your Cleveland at left tackle, there's going to be some growing pains. And now you've opened back up for, like, Elf Line to play right guard. And that's a train wreck. So <laughs> it's funny because your offensive line, with Cleveland playing well at right guard and Reef as your left tackle, this is the best your offensive line has been. But I think Elf Line. The season has sort of, the ship has sailed.
1: I think if Pat can come back, I think Pat can run block, though. Okay. Like, we're done passing. <laughs>
2: well, you're going to You're done. You're, you're done got
1: to pass. The pass, the pass
2: is passe.
0: Pass <laughs> uh, Declan, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not going to ask for a trade, but I'm going to ask Rick Spielman to go out on the free agent wire and pick up this player because I, the Vikings need him, especially after yesterday. He was released by the Panthers a, a week ago. Go sign Eli Apple. Now, Eli Apple was dealing with some hamstring issues. That was a, a, a cause for why he was released. He missed the first three games. He played in some special teams in week four. This was a guy who was a top 10 pick not too long ago. And with your cornerback's uh, regimen just absolutely decimated by injuries right now, even if Eli Apple isn't 100% healthy from those hamstring issues, it's worth the flyer. It's worth taking a veteran minimum on it. I I think it'd be foolish for them to not at least pick up the phone and give him a workout, for God's sakes. So I I think if Rick Spielman, if you're listening to your favorite COVID Vikings fan over here, Go sign Eli Apple. He's available in free agency. And knowing my luck, by the time this post, I'm sure Eli Apple will sign with the Bears or something. But I think Eli Apple would be a perfect fix. It, it couldn't hurt. He had a PFF grade of 55, and that's not great. But it's better than Jeff Gladney. It's better than Mike Hughes. It's better than Cameron Dantzler, dude. Go okay. sign Eli
2: Apple. All right, we need to have an intervention here, okay? I, I'm only with you on this. If you're talking about Eli Apple for the next three years, I have zero interest in... Eli Apple might help you win an extra game in 2020. Like I have no interest in that. But he's only 25 years old, and so if you thought if you thought that Mike Zimmer could get his mitts on Eli Apple, develop him and uh, and help him reach his potential as a former, he was a top 10 pick, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. um, a couple drafts ago, like three whatever three or four drafts ago. So if you thought Eli Apple could be a solution at cornerback for 21, 22, and 23, I'm on board. If you're talking about Eli Apple helping the Vikings get to six and ten, I'm out. I'm out for this season.
0: <laughs> well, I don't care what the contract looks like. I don't care if it's one year or three years. The the cornerbacks are awful. Adam Thielen volunteered apparently to play cornerback yesterday. That's a problem. Right. And I know we're and I know we're in the issue of we need to get in the top ten, but Eli Apple is at least a serviceable cornerback and it'd be great. Go get him. Go
2: but you're get him. but but what you're saying just like your your real statement is make a run and as many wins as possible this year. That's what your real statement is, right?
0: Not necessarily. It's to shore up a a cornerback secondary that's awful. But And and Eli Apple
2: can help. Help me understand, though. And I'm not, like, your take can be your take, but if you're trying to shore up an awful secondary, then you are trying to get more wins this season, correct?
0: Not necessarily. (laughs) I just think it could be better. The cornerback group would be better with Eli Apple there.
1: You deserve, the Vikings deserve their punishment based on, on the fact that every one of us told them to do this move. In the spring and summer, yeah. and they did not. Yeah, shame on them. I don't ever want to hear them complaining. They made their bed by being haughty and by saying we can coach the, these guys up with. By the way, no off-season program to speak of. You know what? They they deserve exactly what they've gotten.
2: And I'm just what I'm doing is I'm just trying to pull out the real take within here. Like I want I, I want you to just say it. I want you to say, "Damn it! I think the Vikings can finish 500 and make some noise if they get to the playoffs." And Eli Apple is going to be part of that. Well, it sounds like you're stopping no, short.
0: It's a no-lose situation because my guy Zach Wilson is going to be available wherever the Vikings are picking. So that's all I care <laughs>
1: I don't know about that. I'm curious, to hear, I'm curious on him. A Zach BYU Wilson. quarterback's
0: not going top 10. Zach it's Wilson's scouting report. Well, I mean, Steve Young.
2: Who? Big-time quarterbacks go, go top 10. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the Vikings might still have a chance to pick top 10. But um, here's my next <laughs> statement. Speaking of the right. defense, all right? Yep. Even without Eli Apple. Yep. Yesterday was one of Mike Zimmer's greatest defensive masterpieces as Vikings head coach. And I know that there were some great games against, I mean, he's had games against Drew Brees and he's had other games against Aaron Rodgers, but those other games, he had a game against Cam Newton like three years ago, coming off an MVP season, if I'm not mistaken, like 2007, whatever it was, 16 or 17. And Cam Newton had like, he was sacked eight times and threw a bunch of interceptions and stuff. And so there's been some great Mike Zimmer masterpieces, Mm -hmm. but all of those other ones, involved multiple pro bowlers it involved Everson Griffin in his prime or Daniil Hunter fully healthy Anthony Barr before he fell off a cliff and, and, uh, and now he's out for the season this masterpiece yesterday involved a bunch of dudes drafted in the 6th and 7th rounds or undrafted and guys who were supposed to be practice squad players and backups and they were all thrown into starting roles and so you basically had Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks Ant Harris and a bunch of random dudes stifling Aaron Rodgers for three hours yesterday yeah. and making them look embarrassing um, and, and causing classic Aaron Rodgers body language and rolling of eyes and things like that. Started chuckling. Yeah.
1: At one point, he's just like, yeah, whatever. My guys can't catch the ball.
2: And so I I think you have to, you know, if there is any question about did this team quit on Mike Zimmer uh, in that Falcons game, uh, is is there, did, has Mike Zimmer sort of reached His ceiling in terms of being able to mold defenses, he showed you with a great game plan and molding some of these guys schematically that he still has it. um, And that was an amazing performance. Football. Hey, we're going to get back to the show in just a second, but a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners. And they've been uh, they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years during pandemic periods and non pandemic periods. It really just helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours.
1: Yeah, and I believe, Phil, that you had broached this topic on Friday's show, and I said to you, I don't think that the Vikings have the personnel to do this, and they did still. Um, As far as the team quitting, because we we got some tweets about that as the game unfolded yesterday. I think the only time that I've said or thought that they quit and they did was the Falcons game. I, I mean, you lost by one point to Seattle. You lost by a point to the Titans, and those weren't pretty games but I think the only game in which I saw this team really officially, I thought, just say screw it, was the Falcons game. Yeah. But I don't think that there's been a trend of the entire year of being quit. They're just not. They have legitimately at a lot of junctures just not been good enough to hold the leads. I
2: would say the Falcons game. It felt more like they quit on Kirk Cousins. Sure, it just but kind they of did felt quit. like, what's this guy doing? And and it was less about Mike Zimmer, but but I yeah. mean,
1: they that's the one game where I thought that they said believe it, we're done.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's do uh, another round of statements here before we wrap and before we get to more Packer event like Judd, go ahead. Big positive on this statement, and in fact, it
1: frees up room to make the tight end trade that I talked about. My statement, Irv Smith Jr. is turning into a complete tight end, and this is important. Statistically, he only had, I think, one catch for something like 16 or 12 yards on Sunday, but there were at least three or four times, I want to say at least three, where um, the TV Uh, cameras isolated on him, throwing absolutely key blocks in the run game. And Irv Smith was drafted as a guy who would be sort of a hybrid tight end receiver who could catch passes, which he can do, and that's great. But if there's question about can Irv Smith block, he showed that. And my statement is Irv Smith Jr. is turning into the type of complete player that makes trading a guy like Rudy, I think, much easier because he can be replaced without it being a big concern.
2: Yeah, just for people wondering, snap counts yesterday, basically 50-50. Irv Smith Jr. played 41 snaps and Kyle Rudolph played 39. Now, they are on the field together for a large chunk of those snaps, but it's basically a 50-50 uh, snap split between the two of them. Irv Smith was out there for 15 pass plays, Kyle Rudolph for 10 pass plays, and Irv Smith had uh, one of the best uh, overall offensive grades of anyone on the team yesterday per pro football focus. So a lot of, lot of things Number to like one about Irv Smith. on the depth chart now. Yeah, it's very important. Dex, what's your next statement?
0: Yeah, my, my definitive statement was going to be that Irv Smith is – now better than Kyle Rudolph. And, and it was going to go with the fact that, yeah, he's being able to block. We, obviously, he's not involved in the passing game to the extent that we would like him to be. But if he's able to block and he's able to throw in some other things outside of not catching passes to be a productive tight end, that's awesome. But I'll, I'll pivot a little bit since Judd took it. And I'll say that Riley Reef is a good tackle. And he got a lot of gripe this last offseason. And had to restructure his contract, fans were calling for him to be just cut outright, not even being brought back. Now, do they want to go and they want to trade him? And if you can get something for him, I'm for it. I'm totally for it. But Riley Reef is a good tackle. And I think he was very misunderstood during his tenure here at the Vikings and, and because of his contract, the initial one. But he's a good tackle, dude. 80 grade yesterday, he was the best offensive player against the Packers. So Riley Reef. Congratulations, he's a good tackle, and it's another uh, flipping of the bird to Vikings fans.
2: <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, how about, so, uh, I'm just pulling up for the, for the entire season so far. Uh, Brian O'Neill. so among, let's see here, how many tackles have qualified for, uh, for this list here? Of the 80 tackles who've played at least 20% of teams' snaps, Brian O'Neill is rated the 15th best offensive tackle in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. We'll get to some more of this on the nerd football segment tomorrow. Uh, Riley Reef is 39th, but uh, but he's better when it comes to pass blocking. He's up he's up in the top twenty. So, uh, final statement for me here before more Packers vent line for you guys. <laughs> I've got two of them actually. One little segue. I'll give you I'll give you back to back here because I'll give you one that seg- uh, segues into Packers vent line. Mm-hmm. It, the Vikings are officially out on the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So, uh, bravo for staying in it for a half a season. But the New York football Jets, my God, like I know they're playing the Chiefs yesterday. Pat Mahomes goes for 400 yards and five touchdowns against that ridiculous Jets defense. And we're sitting here. It's just before noon central time on this Monday as we record this episode of Purple Daily and Adam Gase still somehow has a job. It's genius now. The Jets are very much committed to drafting Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick. Don't
1: fire him until March.
2: Yeah, I mean. Or the, the day
1: after you're done.
2: Yeah, don't fire him now. If their goal is to win as many or to lose as many games as possible, just keep Adam Gase. He makes as head no coach.
1: adjustments in game; he makes none.
2: <laughs> it's genius. If he just says, "Let's lose." If you're trying to draft Trevor Lawrence, it's the smartest move ever. I'll never coach him. So, uh, tank for Trevor, we can officially say goodbye to yep. to that because the Vikings just picked up a win, and they're gonna and they're gonna win more games than this. Now they just proved it. My other one for you guys: Aaron Rodgers is the least clutch great quarterback in NFL history that I can recall. So here's a couple facts about Aaron Rodgers. And when the Vikings took that double-digit lead in the second half, it was like, all right, Aaron Rodgers time. But that time doesn't really exist very often. Aaron Rodgers, in his career as a starting quarterback, regular season, has only 16 fourth-quarter comebacks. Russell Wilson, in fewer seasons, has 23. Ryan Tannehill has 20. Jay Cutler had 23. Yep. In fewer seasons, obviously. That was far specialty. Aaron Rodgers also loses 50% of games in which he trails at any point in the game, including the first quarter, according to Fox Sports. So uh, you take a lead on Aaron Rodgers, and you see the body language, the eyes rolling, the pouting. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown dropped a couple of—they would have been tough catches, but like a couple of balls hit him right in the hands. Great passes by Rodgers. And he always turns to the sidelines and just, like, rolls his eyes and stares, right? And I get the frustration. Your team drafted a quarterback in the first round instead of, like, Justin Jefferson. But you get a lead on Aaron Rodgers, and he loves to just sort of go into pout mode. And that's what happened yesterday.
1: It's become very clear that Aaron Rodgers never blames himself. No. Like, it's not. It's just, like, whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh,
1: and you know why, Phil. Because the Green Bay Packers do not have a grown-ass man running the show. <laughs> and Roger Snow. Go Pack! Go!
2: What is it going to take to get out of this defensive purgatory that we can never get right for some reason? Are there any grown-ass men in this front office that are going to take this team to the next step and get us into that prime defensive territory if we keep throwing draft picks on
0: Man, I'm stuck in like the twilight zone right now. I to watching like, what I saw earlier, like this, right? is, this, this is crazy. I don't get it. Like one part of me wants to say, okay, I'm not even really like. I feel like I'm numb. Like I understand that we play with a lot of without a, a, our starters out today. But like you said earlier, Gary, like Minnesota did too, and the defense didn't get a stop until the fourth quarter. How do you sit up there and call yourself a defensive player, an NFL player, if you can't get a stop? It's within three-quarters of a game. That is getting Go Pack! Go! <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> poor Packer fans. Oh, yeah. I, mm. I bleed for them. Poor Packer fans. Such a rough life you guys lead. Brett Favre for 15 years. Aaron Rodgers for 15 years. Only two Super Bowls. Oh. But the Vikings have none. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings have Christian Ponder and like a, a new quarterback like get, every year in the 90s 25 quarterbacks
1: in that time or something or to 30 yeah. quarterbacks I, it's ridiculous in
2: fact that's a question that came up on Ventline yesterday we should do this maybe on tomorrow or, or Wednesday's episode of Purple Daily if you were to give Mike Zimmer and how great of a defensive mastermind he is if you were to have given him Aaron Rodgers for the last 6 years would the Vikings have at least one Super Bowl we should let's let's do that for the Wednesday state of Kirk Cousins episode <laughs> like look look at Mike Zimmer did with like bubble gum and a nine iron for ingredients yesterday <laughs> He made Aaron Rodgers look clueless. And it was it was a bunch of seventh-round draft well, for picks half round. Least, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So um, that's a wrap. Unless you guys have any other final statements off yesterday's Vikings win. No, I'm good. That's a wrap on this episode. Er, Smith,
1: go. You're good.
2: <laughs> Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph, en- go. Enjoy your, enjoy your time somewhere else maybe in the next 24 hours. Hey, if we get your draft pick, you'll take it. Uh, Mike Zimmer did, by the way, yesterday say that – That outcome yesterday has no bearing on the Vikings discussions uh, one way or the other for trades that he basically said, like, it's not even really about the wins right now. It's they just they're so buried in the standings, but they could they could rattle off some wins here. We'll see what happens. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us on Purple Daily, Phil Mackey, Judd Zulged, Declan Goff, and we will see you guys tomorrow.